Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Well, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> so I want to welcome uh, Camille Perriot down to uh, down to the studio today and thank her very much for, uh, for coming in and spending time with me. Thank you for having me. Camille is a six-time IFBB Bikini Pro Champion, a two-time Olympian and Arnold Classic competitor, co-owner Santa Cruz Power Fitness, host of the Bikini Show podcast, mom extraordinaire, and basically a badass boss lady. <laughs> That's pretty much my take on uh, on on her. I, look, Camille. I mean, we've known one another for a little bit, but not not forever. I wanted to dig in a little bit and talk talk about a few things. But just going back, you've got a very impressive bio when it comes Resume. to yeah, <laughs> in terms of the sport of bodybuilding and sort of the business of fitness. And hopefully, we can get into that a little bit more. But I want to know how you do it all. I mean, have you been doing it all for as long as you've been doing it? I'm crazy. I think you, you might be a little bit insane. Yeah. You have to be a little insane to do that. Yeah. It, I think the, 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 the crazy part about it is, is as insane as you may be, and I've never, never known you to be like that, but uh, is the even keel that you keep the whole time. Like it, you never get too high, never get too low. I mean, and again, we, we'll talk about the business end of things, maybe in this last year and how crazy it's been, but wow. I mean, it, you're always so positive. How do you, where's that come from? Uh, well, maybe my upbringing, good parents, um, you know, I think in order to do, well, you know, this, um, it's all about balance, balancing, um, family, balancing business, balancing career, uh, hobbies. So it's about finding the right amount of energy to put into each one. Now, when I say crazy, I'm not mentally crazy, but you have to be kind of like able to juggle a lot and, function at a high pace and I'm the type of person that I just I am more efficient when I have a lot on my plate when I don't have a whole lot going on I start to get kind of lazy so you mentioned something there about you know your parents and your upbringing the attitude the drive was it always there is it something you always had has it sort of been around or did you have to develop that so growing up my parents like they were not into sports at all at all but I was the I was the one that was like I want to play little league with the boys, and I was like enrolling myself into these you know all these different sports. My parents were like, "All right, if you want to do it, you can do it." But I that was all me, so I've always kind of had that like competitive edge. Um, but my parents were just really um, supportive parents, you know, preached the importance of going to college and uh, just a good home 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 base. So. Not a ton of influence there in terms of being sports. active in sports and whatnot. Just more, hey, if that's what you want to do, we're going to show up to the games. We're going to be there for you, whatever you want, Camille. Can you remember back to when it kind of started for you? Like, when was it where you like out there watching the boys play and like, you know what, I want to do that? I don't even know what it was, actually, that made me want to do that. Um, and I sucked. I was like, <laughs> I don't even know why I did it. I w- thinking back on it, I was like 10 the only girl on the team, actually, there was another girl who was really good. I sucked, and I was just, like, in left field picking daisies, but I just liked to be playing. It was fun. 
um, and just be a part of a sport and a team. So I played sports throughout elementary school. Didn't play in high school, but then in college, I swam for um, the college I went to. Um, but uh, always involved with sports and playing on different teams. So let's just take a step back before college. So you're in high school. You're not playing any sports. No. Okay. And so the drive, though, and kind of the motivation to compete and be competitive, did you have that for academics? No. <laughs> So how did you keep yourself busy? Um, I was, I, I had fun. I was a social girl. Yeah, let's talk about that. In high school, I was a social, I was like, I liked the social scene better. So I didn't play sports. I wasn't a bad teenager. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't caught up in the wrong crowd, but I like, I would cut class with my best friend. We would go like what we would do. Most people think like, oh, you're going to cut class in high school. You may be doing something bad. We would go to McDonald's, get ice cream and French fries, go to the beach and just make bird dialogue. We would watch the birds at the beach and make dialogue. We, That's the kind of stuff that we would do. Make di- so you see <laughs> two birds kind of hopping along and one's the voice of bird one and one's yes. the voice. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we, I just did kind of like fun stuff like that. Um, but uh, I did go to college. My parents were very serious about, you know. Yeah, you mentioned that, yeah. You have to go to, like, that was like. Not an option. You have to go to college. So um, I did. And I'm very grateful that they had that drive because I'm not a very academic type person. All right. So you get into college. And so was there a decision? Did you know, like, well, I not necessarily a place I want to be, but it was something that I know I need to do. And you got to make a decision about what you're studying and whatnot. So what What'd you do? What'd you study? I probably changed my career choice like six different times. <laughs> I wanted to be a psychologist, failed psychology classes. Like, uh, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that. Check. Yeah. yeah. There was many different things that I was like trying to get into. Um, and then first uh, I was one day I was just thinking, I always enjoyed going to the dentist. I was kind of a weird kid. Where it's I, it's official. You're definitely <laughs> a crazy person. Yeah. I liked going to the dentist. So I was like, you know, my hygienist always seemed like so nice and always just like she liked her job and I loved getting my teeth clean. So I decided to study uh, dental hygiene and I got a job uh, working at a dental office. No experience, but I started as like a front desk and then kind of did some dental assisting. Um, before that, I did bartending. For like six years, I was a waitress and bartender, um, and I got into dentistry. And then I went through dental hygiene school, but uh, that really was a big pivot in my life because I was kind of like a typical lost young chi- uh, college kid, just like trying to figure out what what do I want to do. Um, and I wanted to find a career that I could make an income. It wasn't just finding you know what I what I have fun doing. I wanted to actually make an income doing it. So I picked dental hygiene. That's interesting. So I have a similar story. You, know, you find your way in the bar business, which means you sort of always have some cash in your pocket, which mm-hmm. gives you freedoms and flexibilities and allows you to kind of do some things that maybe some of your other college buddies aren't. It also gives you some insight to, you know, life and people yeah. in, a, in a little bit of a different way. You're at the party, but not necessarily partying. And you get to kind of see some things. You mentioned swimming in college. So where is this fitting in? How are you balancing that with bartending at night? Maybe. Or you're not doing that in college yet. Uh, no, I was. So I was doing that. Um, I was I worked throughout college. My parents helped a little bit, but, um, you know, they 
they they helped as much as they could afford, but I still had to work um, weekends, uh, maybe two nights a week as well. So I would be working uh, around my swim schedule. Swims, uh, we met like at six in the morning for morning practice and then after school, one of my electives also. Um, so I just worked it around my schedule. So I don't, I don't want to make any assumptions here. I'm assuming though that this is competitive swim team. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not just like a club swim where you're, you're just showing up to work out. Right. Right. It was junior college. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was on like a, like a state university team, but we would travel around to like, uh, different colleges around, uh, Santa, uh, Santa Cruz downtown, like, as far as well, Bay Area and then like as far as San Luis Obispo. Gotcha. Yeah. So we've, we've skipped ahead here on the sports <laughs> stuff because you you weren't swimming in high school. No. Where did the swimming come in? You just said, hey, I'm going to try out for swim team when I get to college. Or So my girlfriend, who I talked about that we would go to the beach and do like bird dialogue. Um, <laughs> we ended we both moved to Santa Cruz for 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 college. Okay. I'm from Half Moon Bay. And we both moved to Santa Cruz for college. And she was on the water polo team. And I was just like party. I was the party girl. When I got, when I, my first year in college, I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) I was a party girl. But I would go to her practice and I would lay out on the pool deck while she was doing water polo practice for, for college. And there were some really cute guys in the water polo team there. Don't say. So that's how I got into the so swimming the, team. So the motivation is <laughs> no swimming background, but I'm like, I will end up for the swimming team. I got most improved. <laughs> this sounds like something my buddies and I would do. Like this is great. Yeah, this is where we need to be all day long, right? Totally. Right. So you you so you start swimming. Uh, I assume you knew how to swim before that, or you know. So you're you're out there. Are you you competitive? I mean, let's be honest. Are we winning? Are you winning? Um, I can't even remember if I won, but Didn't I, matter. I, you guys. I did get most improved. So I did get better. Winning. Winning. Um, yeah. I don't want, I don't, I, I didn't come in last, but I, I would do like the hundred, you know, the short sprints. Right. So you're just enjoying being out there. Yeah. Right? And you're, and you're trying to balance it all. Yeah. Just like when you were a little kid on the, on the baseball field with the boys. Yeah, but, but when I was younger, I also played volleyball, basketball, and different sports. But the swimming really helped. Like, I took a long time off of being, like, active in sports. I was kind of like, I didn't do anything really for physical activity. So joining the swim team really kind of just, like, was like, wow. Like, this is, this is exercise. Like, going through the whole process. So then after that, it was like, I develop this like passion for fitness again. So we get through college, right? You're a dental hygienist now. You get a mm-hmm. job, swims over. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, the business of dental hygiene and being in the dentist's office all day, but no more swim team. Is there a, is there a pivot point or is there a, a point where you're like, I'm, I'm a little lost here. I need to do something. Or did you get right into the gym? Tell us about that. Um, I always worked out after swim team. I always worked out, but I did a lot of cardio. I, I, I was very, I, I was afraid of weight training because like most women think they're going to get bulky. We're going to put on too much muscle and we're going to look like a man. So I had the, the, the mindset of like, I'm going to, you know, 
work off the calories that I'm about to consume later. So that was, that's why I would go to the gym. And I, I trained that way for probably about 10 years. Um, more focus on cardio. Once in a while, I might do some ab workout or I might lift up, you know, lift a dumbbell, but it was, it was all cardio. And not until I was uh, about 30 when, when I had my daughter Lola. So we are skipping kind of forward, but um, I was a dental hygienist for about nine years. And um, when I had my daughter Lola, I was like, you know, I want to start to uh, change the way I view my body, the way I view food, develop a healthier relationship with fitness and eating. So I started to um, work with a personal trainer. Who uh, Actually, the studio was very similar to your studio. It was called Rockies in Santa Cruz. Her name was Susan, and she was she was badass. Like, she had a YouTube channel, and she was, like, this, like, just, she would work out at my gym sometimes. I'm just like, whoa. Like, she had abs and just, like, looked incredible. Um, so I started working out with her, and I realized that I loved weight training. And rather than focusing on just burning calories and putting time into the gym, um, I was amazed on the feeling I got from it. And I also started to notice like, wow, I'm actually seeing changes I've been trying to get for so long that um, I haven't. And I actually am seeing that now. I'm starting to see some definition. I was feeling way more confident with my body before I was very self-conscious. Um, so it, that was a huge pivot for me and my fitness career. How long are you doing this before there's you start competing? Because it couldn't have been too long after. So, yeah. So, nice segue. Yeah. <laughs> um, I started to work out with Susan. And for, I was working out with her for about eight months. Um, and my ex-husband at the time was like, you know, maybe you should, like, think about getting, a, you know, doing a bikini competition. And I was just like, I have no idea what that is. Um, and I saw pictures and it was like, whoa, like, those girls are like... Like, there's no way I could ever look like that. And, or be on a stage in a bikini, like, no. Um, and I was, you know, working out in the gym early in the morning one day. It was like six, uh, six in the morning before work. And I was just like, you know, that sounds so scary to me. Like, I want to do it. I want to, like, challenge myself. So I had, this was back in 2013. So, yeah. So we're going, we're at a time where bikini is. new. No. Brand new. I yeah. mean, we're, we're just talking about the sort of the transition. There's bodybuilding, women's bodybuilding, which is a completely other yeah. type of sport. So for, for those who don't know, maybe you can kind of go through real quick kind of what the delineations are there and what they were then. We can talk about what they are now later. Yeah. So for women, we had uh, d- different divisions. Based, basically, they're designed to help, uh, you know, whatever your natural body type is, you can compete in that division. Well, they had women's bodybuilding, then they had fitness, they had um, figure. So it kind of starts to go down in structure. And they came out with the bikini division, I think in 2010, but it was still really new. There wasn't a, a lot of, um, it was it was a new sport. It was a new division. It's like, it's like Hawaiian Tropic before that, right? It's oh, like, yeah. That's what it is. It so. was like, totally. And, and there was no social media. I mean, we had, we face Instagram was just coming out. So like you, the way you would see about, learn about these, the sport was through magazines, muscular development, fitness RX, like those are the, the, the magazines that I would read to kind of like 
see these who are the competitors how are they working out what are they eating what supplements are they taking all that stuff yeah Yeah. so um i decided i was gonna uh do a competition i called the the producers of the show i found on the internet and it's funny now it's it's, it was steve o'brien who's like our northern california chairman who is now a really good friend of mine um and i was just i called on my lunch break when i was doing hygiene i was like i'm going to be uh registering for your your show and i just want to make sure that i'm not going to be registering for the pro division because i'm <laughs> this is my, my first one and he's like no you can't you're fine <laughs> you won't be going on stage with the pros. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um so i decided to do a show but back then it was really hard to find a coach there wasn't a whole lot of coaches. And I, I think there was like maybe Body Bio in Southern California. That was, that was about it at the time. So are these, going, going to the coaches real quick, so are these, are these male coaches coaching females? Are they female coaches coaching males? Or sorry, females? What, what do we got At here? the time, it was probably majority male coaches. But there wasn't a whole, I mean, there was coaches in Florida. Um, there was Body Bio, who's a male coach in Southern California. But there wasn't a, there wasn't a whole lot of, coaches and it was really hard to find out how to find them like you know we didn't have really instagram it wasn't just like boom in your face like it is now so i coached myself um i just did a lot of research online and did my own workouts and did my own diet and did my first show now i i i got third place my first show and I, i i got off stage and i loved it i was just like oh my god that was like i had this adrenaline high for like two weeks no joke but looking back on it (laughs) like the week before my show like you know how like you've heard people talk about and you've done competitions so like we have like peak week and all this different structure i was eating turkey jerky the day before (laughs) that was my protein source (laughs) (laughs) like loaded with sodium (laughs) like chewing gum like before stage like things i i wouldn't do now right but each time you learn a a little something new and then you pick up something new and yeah there's all the there's the there's the journey that you're going through right now right i think anybody that's been at the level that you're at has gone through that at some point and would have the same kind of story right something silly yeah something um but the first time was just an awesome experience i absolutely loved it and i was hooked so then after that that was 2013 that i did my first show and after that i was like you know what i'm gonna do another one and i think by then i was oh at my first show i was able to meet other competitors and ask around for coaches Mm -hmm. so I, i found my first coach and i did my second show the San Jose Championship in 2013. Big show. Big show. And that show, there was like, they were bigger then too. Like they're a little bit smaller now, but there was like. They weren't as spread out, right? I mean, there's a higher volume of shows these days than there used to be. Right. right, Regionally. There was like 1,200 competitors. That's massive. And I won and I got overall. Killing it. It was crazy. And so then I was just like, like, wow, like. That, this is fun. Th- yeah, winning this is, is cool. fun, right? And my coach was like, "Okay, you just got the overall. Like, you're ready for nationals." And this was like two weeks before the USA's, okay. and I had no idea what that meant. And I was just like, "I don't know what that means. I'm just going to do another local show." And she's like, "You know, you got overall. You can't just you can't, yeah, continue. you can't be competing novice or you know right. whatever. You're pro now." So she convinced me to do the USA's uh, three weeks later, and I did. And I won my pro card. I won my class. So I got my pro card on my third show. And 
I thought I was like the shit. <laughs> well, you're making this sound really easy. It sounds like you were the shit. It seemed really easy to me. And I was just like, wow, well, that, that was easy. Um, so, yeah, then I got my ass handed to me. <laughs> yeah, so before we go, we go there, like, again, going back to kind of where I was starting with this, it's just kind of the even keel, easy going through the process. And again, you're, you're surprising yourself, right? As you're going along, you're kind of like, oh my God, I, I just won. Yeah. But at the same time, the, how, how are you balancing this in life? Is it, is it stressing you out? Is the training stressing you out? Are you getting nervous going into these things? Is it, what are you having to adjust or adapt to from one show to the next? Um, Cause there's a lot of learning happening and yeah. you're making this sound easy, right? And you just said it kind of was, but look, this is not an easy thing to do. I mean, there's, you are dialing in your workouts. You are dialing in your, your nutrition. There is, you know, you're, you're dedicating three, four hours minimally a day just to being in the gym, doing the things that you're doing. Um, what's happening in life at that time and how are you balancing all of that? Well, um, during that time, um, I, w- I, I was very just like taken in by the sport and really I wouldn't, I had a tunnel vision and I had a tunnel vision throughout my competing career. And you kind of have to, if you mm-hmm. want to be successful, Um, but at that point, my daughter was two years old and I was married. Um, the, my ex-husband and I met when we were like both 18, 19 years old. So we were, you know, met in college. Um, but because I was so focused on me and my, my sport, it did cause some, you know, turmoil at home and I, my husband and I uh, divorced after that. Yeah, it, being an athlete is very, in a sense, it, it it is very selfish. There's a lot of things that have to go into it. Yeah, um, long hours of training, long hours of prep. Uh, you're spending a lot of time with other people, for that matter. You know, in the gym and having conversations on the phone or internet with coaches and things like that. And it's just, especially in, in the sport of bodybuilding. I mean, there's it's while there are seasons for shows. You're never really in an off season. You're always you're always focused if you're competing at the level you're at. It's not like oh, this comes around one time per year or every few years, like the Olympics or something like that. This right. is an ongoing process if you really want to to compete. Right. And if you're not ready to make that commitment, um, well, if you're not fully committed the way you're saying or the way where you're you're you're, you're kind of telling the story here, you're not going to be successful. So yeah, and I was um, I had gained so much um, self-confidence from competing. And I just, I really felt like I had found who I was. I had, I, before that, I really did have a lot of um, self-esteem issues and um, I was depressed. Like I didn't have anything that I really enjoyed for myself. And so this really was just like, it was like a, a light, like it was just, it was, it was an amazing feeling. And um, I totally understand the reasoning why my ex-husband at the time um, didn't, you know, got kind of just like, okay, like, you mm-hmm. know, enough is enough of the sport, you know. Um, and that that really just didn't, like, I had a hard time accepting that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you decided. You know? Yeah. It's interesting, too, at this point in your life, because a, a lot of folks, a lot of people getting into it. I mean, my, my first shows is, and I dabbled, you know, early on. I was 22, 23, 24 years old. You're... Uh, 
I didn't know my ass from a hole in the ground at that point in my life. I didn't have responsibilities. I didn't have liabilities like that. Yeah. And so it was really easy to, you know, kind of separate from anything because there wasn't a lot to separate from at that point. And you just stay focused. But you're talking, you know, 10 years past that point, or at least the point that I was at, there's a lot going on. Um, And it's interesting that you, you sort of found it that late in life, but what an awesome thing to discover you yeah. know, at that point, and when I say like, you're in thirties, right? It's not like you're old. I was thirty three. Right? You're, you're 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 beyond where most most are. But what an yeah. awesome thing to discover in a in a in a in that pivot or that shift that you're now making, kind of like just accelerates into all this great stuff that you know, you know, you've been able to accomplish and experience and the relationships that you built and all those kind of things, which is just incredible. So. You go on to compete in the nationals and right. you got your ass handed to you. <laughs> well, talk about that. What was that like after having so much success and having a lot of fun, right? Making the commitment, having a lot of fun to like, oh shit, now this is the big time. So um, it wasn't nationals that I got my ass handed to. It okay. was it was my pro debuts and my, my uh I feel like you put in time as a competitor, you put in time either as a rookie or as a pro. And I got my pro card really, really quickly. And uh, I was still very green. And so I needed to, there was, I still needed to learn posing. And there was so many things that I needed to improve upon. Um, I did my first pro show literally like the week later. And I remember going up to girls that I like idolized in like magazines and stuff. And Fangirling. I, I went up to them in the hotel room and I was like, I'm a pro. I'm, I'm one of them now. Right. And I, I was like, I'm like, hi, I just want to introduce myself. My name is, you know, Camille Parrott. I'm the one that just won the USA's and I'm like really excited to be competing with you tomorrow. And they had no idea who I was. <laughs> They're like, Oh, okay. Nice to meet you. And I was nice kind of like, hmm, that's weird. weird. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then I got last call outs the next morning and it was like, all right, now you're playing with the big girls. Which, for those of those people that aren't aren't familiar, that's not atypical. Right? That's no, kind of, that's part of the sport. Oh right? yeah. I mean, you, you're going to take your licks and cut your teeth, like you said. Yeah. You know, kind of putting your time in one way or another, but getting getting last call out on your first show is pretty typical. Yeah. And the reasons are judges want to see you. They want are you committed? You know, first off, do you stack up? Um, yeah. But they want to see you out there and they want to see the improvements that you're making. And I was small. Looking back at the pictures, I right. was just like, oh, God. Posing's not there yet anyway. <laughs> oh, like, God, no. Yeah you're, yeah. you're not there. And, you know, maybe the, the confidence is showing or the lack of self-confidence at that point in the bigger arena isn't showing through. And they can smell it on you. Right? So. Absolutely. They can sense it like that. So how do you recover from that? What happens next? Um, I just keep going. I keep going. I still love it. Um, and I competed. Uh, it, it took, I competed for about two to three years of um, rocking the like last to second last call outs. I still did it. I loved it. Right. At this point, I was also starting to coach people. So for me, it was like, you know what? I compete. I get more clients. You know, I have fun doing it. Um, and I was traveling all around the country competing and like just getting, you know, my butt's like, like handed to me. But you're learning every single time. I'm learning every right. single time. And then I started to actually go into master's classes, which is 35 plus. Cause I was like, you know, maybe I'll have better luck in the master's classes. Um, and it took about two to three years of 
that to actually crack first call out. And I did, got first call out in Florida and that I had a, a new coach at that time. And I was just like, I just want to be in the first call. Out. I don't like I winning or even top three was even a goal of mine. That I was just like, I just want to be in the first call out. And so that was like my first taste of that. And then after that, I was in the first call out, I think most of the time after, after mm-hmm. that. And then I started to second place and I rocked second place for a long time. And then it was just like, boom, one. And then it was, I got six wins under my belt. So that. it takes you two to three years to start to finally. Even cracking top first call out. It's a long time. It is. And most people would be just like, you know what? This isn't for me. I'm done. But there was so many other opportunities that I was getting out of it that I was okay with it. I, I still had a lot of fun. I loved the process. I loved uh, the structure. The structure is what I really, really enjoyed. Um, I liked having a goal to work at, a goal to have in the gym. And I, I loved the whole process of it. So, the, you know, the competing part of it was like show day was like, you know, like, okay, this is like part of what I like. You know, but I like just being involved. And, and there was a lot of opportunities that came my way because of it. I met my husband, Chris, that way. Right. So <laughs> we got to get, get to that. At what, what point does, <laughs> at what point do we move from dental hygiene? I mean, to, oh, sorry, to fitness. Now you mentioned coaching there. Are you doing them both yeah. at the same time? And at what point so, do you give one up? Yeah. So that was, whoo, that was a lot. So I did dental hygiene, um, I was a dental hygienist for about nine years. Um, I did dental hygiene and coaching together for probably about five years total. So I was, and I had a lot of athletes. I coached athletes all over the world. How many are we talking? uh, At a a time revolving consistently, uh, 40 to 60. That's a ton of clients. Yeah. Right. That is a lot of work. With a daughter. And, and I was working as a hygienist four days a week, you know, and I was, um, very responsive to my clients. Um, I, you know, I would, like on my, my dentist probably was just always so annoyed with me because like every time he walked by me, if I didn't, if I had any second down, be like, check it in. Yeah. I said four ounces. (laughs) Four ounces are protein, not 4.2. Um, so it was about, it was a good amount of time that I was managing both. Um, and, uh, be, be at, at the be towards the beginning of my coaching career and at the more t- at the beginning of my competing career, um, I met Chris right. at a show. Um, my ex-husband and I were, had already separated and I had met Chris and he was, he was funny and <laughs> he's, he was you know, Chris, he's a nutball. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I like, he, he will say he, we met before at a different time prior to that. And we did, but I was like just about to go on stage. And I was like, I think in a mood, <laughs> I didn't place the way I wanted to. And right. he, I think had just gone off of a win and he said I was kind of a. So it was way more memorable for Chris than it was for you at that point. Yeah, there, so. but I think at that time I was just there was a lot going on in my life, and I and I didn't I didn't remember that encounter. I don't I don't think I was the nicest. I was just kind of like uh. shut off. Um, but I met him again, 
at a show while I was coaching my athletes, and uh, I met him in <laughs> I met him in a hotel room, uh, not a hotel room, Whoa. in a um, in the gym downstairs at a hotel. I was uh, doing my cardio in the morning. Got it. And he was working out with one of his friends, and um, <laughs> he, he told his friend to take off, and I I look and look over, and Chris is doing his like calisthenics. I I thought he was doing karate. <laughs> So actually, still in my phone, his name is Chris IFBB Karate S'mores because he that day he also offered me these s'mores bars. That's how I put his name in these. He's still that way in my phone. So we met. We met then. Um, we kind of talked again later that day at the show. We exchanged numbers. Um, his family lived in Santa Cruz, which is where I lived, and I was like still like um, you know on. On the road competing for the next couple of weeks. And so I, I was, you know, I, I didn't, we didn't really connect until like maybe four, three to four weeks later. And we met for dinner and we, we just like clicked. The rest is history. Yep. Inside that history, you guys have made history. When does, uh, so Santa Cruz Power Fitness. Uh, Where's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely my favorite gym away from, from home. Gym. Yeah, it's. It's got an amazing feel to it. The what it reminds me most of is when I started my career as a trainer, and when athletics was over for me as a as a college student, it was my this, there was a place that I trained, and it was very it was could have been identical to a certain extent. You cannot replicate Santa Cruz Power Fitness. You just can't. You the, can't replicate those types of gyms. It, you can't. It, there's a feel. There's an aura. There's a everything about it when you step into it you just know it's different and so for me i guess it's a little nostalgic when i when i walk in but it also just has there's a there's a certain attitude people are they're serious they're serious but not but serious in the best kind of way like we're here i'm here to do my thing and you're here to do your thing and i respect that it's a strong community feeling and it 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 just rubs off on everybody that way it's like you you won't really necessarily feel motivated to work out. And then you walk in there and you're just like, all right, like people are in here, like seriously, like getting their, like, you know, their work on and I'm going to be pushing myself harder because there's a six year old woman over there deadlifting, you know, like 300 pounds. It's like, okay, got to step it up. Yeah. It's a, it's different. And I think, you know, if you haven't been into an environment like that, you need to make a trip. So if any, if you're ever in Santa Cruz, you got to go by and check out check out Power and uh, and what they got going on for all the reasons um, that it's awesome. I, it, again, it's one of my favorite spots ever. Thank you. So you 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 and Chris partner up, you know, professionally. You're coaching together, yes, athletes together, and then ultimately, and then I know there's there's a, a nutrition business that's happening there along the way, a supplement business that's happening that's located in but the prior to you guys taking ownership. Yeah. So let me backtrack a little bit because this is when it starts to kind of snowball. So Chris and I start to, you know, we start to date and we're attached at the hip. Um, We start to coach team pulls together, which was like my little tiny team. And then we kind of like morphed it into men, women, and, you know, made it more streamlined. Um, So that was team pulse. And, uh, that kind of just started to escalate and grow. And we were, you know, building a pretty big business with just that alone, which then opened up the door to 
um, rent a little space inside of Santa Cruz Power Fitness with the previous owners, Almena. He rented out um, an area in his gym so we can open up Santa Cruz Sports Nutrition and offer sports supplementation in our community that was not just these big chains. Um, and that was that was great. And then I, I think around that point is when I stopped to do stopped doing dental hygiene. It was just like too much. We had businesses we didn't manage, and I phased out of dental hygiene, and I just went full force into our businesses. Right. So you're a mom. You're a competitive athlete. Yeah. You're an employee at a dentist's office. <laughs> you're coaching 40 to 60 or more clients at this point. It's starting to grow. Now we, we have a nutrition you know, business that we have, yes, something has to give. Yeah. And so it's dental hygiene at this point, you're going all in, you're going all in with the, with coaching and nutrition. Right. I mean, look at the numbers. It was like, okay, this one, you know, this one is the one that needs to, you know, go away right now. And now it was kind of hard because it was, I did it for a long time and I still, I still sometimes miss it. I have, I I keep my license still active, Mm -hmm. but um, yeah, so we, we started the nutrition shop and then, um, that was also kind of like our test with Al Mena, um, who owned San Cruz Power Fitness to see if we would be suitable for future owners because he was, it was a conversation that we've had with him, you know, asking him if he would be interested in selling. Meanwhile, Chris and I have absolutely zero experience with owning a gym. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just like, that was our goal. It was our goal. And, um, we did really well at Santa Cruz Sports Nutrition, and we it was kind of our way to kind of like introduce ourselves to that community. It's a very loyal community, and um, eventually Al decided that he wanted to sell it to us, and um, that's how we acquired Santa Cruz Power Fitness. I bet if you talk to most people that are fitness or gym enthusiasts, Certainly people in the that have competed and have gotten out of the sport or given back to the sport, they're all tell you, hey, you know, owning a gym one day sounds like that's what I want to do. I mean, totally. I can't, <laughs> I can't, it's all of our goals. Yeah, it's everybody's goal. I mean, any any new blossoming personal trainer, you know, uh, group exercise instructor or somebody like that, you know, they'll, yeah, what do you want to do eventually? You know, what's the what's the long-term goal? Well, hopefully, you know, one of these days I want to own a gym like you. <laughs> and you're just looking at them going, are you sure? It could be because people have zero clue or zero idea totally. what that means. And so you've, you've, you've been around in the, in the, sorry, in the gym you're about to take ownership of. And you just mentioned you've sort of built a community within the community, which is a way different, way different way. Um, not saying it's any easier or any harder, but it's a way different way than a lot of people get into it that may come into some money and go, Hey, this seems like a good idea. Let me open a gym. And they drop right. down a bunch of dough and they open a gym, but you came out at it a little bit of a different angle. Talk about that transition into that and, and how it worked out. So Santa Cruz Power Fitness um, already had just an awesome vibe, and it had a really, like, it 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 has a history within the bodybuilding community. It used to be an, an old Gold's gym. It's one of those, like, old-school, hardcore gyms that are kind of, that are rare. So the, the members that trained there, um, they're loyal, and it's a it's a big membership base, um, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword sometimes, huh? It can be. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and, and at first there was some throwback when Chris and I purchased the gym, there was a lot of people who just did not, you know, people were afraid of change. Um, the gym did not have, uh, you know, many updates for a long, long time. So it was pretty outdated. Common tale. 
Yeah. So Chris and I went in there and, uh, you know, I'm, I, I credit our success to Chris because he's so good at business and the back, the back side of it or the back end. Um, he, he's, he really is amazing at that. And so you're absolutely right. A lot of people in the fitness industry say they want to get into, you know, be a gym owner. And I, I, I even said that when I was in my twenties, I was like, one day I want to open a gym. I'm going to have like a live DJ at night and like all these, like it's all the fun stuff. Totally. But it's so much work running a gym, especially during COVID. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it tests you. And, um, to say the least, but uh, Chris, Chris is an amazing businessman, and he has a vision. He's, I mean, he like he he has made so many. He's really um, turned it around into a very just uh, strong, strong business. And our goal from when we first got it was like to improve it, to you know bring in you know new equipment. We are very involved with the fitness community and we travel around a lot. So we get to see these different facilities and uh, different uh, brands. And, you know, we have an eye for like what we want to bring in. And I think our community at first, they were a little reluctant to have any change because, you know, it's like that one favorite (laughs) bicep curl machine from like 1970 is gone. Where is it? You know, that's what we were dealing with. Yeah, versus the <laughs> new $4,500 piece of equipment you just yeah. put in its place that's 10 times better, but it's just not the same. So once they started to see what we were doing, um, they all, like, I, for the most part, everyone, almost yeah. everybody is just like, absolutely loves the changes. But um, it's been, you know, it, it's it's challenging being a gym owner. It's constant, but it's rewarding. So you take over this gym that you think you kind of know, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, in any of these acquisitions, and I've been a part of many, many acquisitions yeah, and you, you get one, you, you know, you start, there's, there's things that happen. There's evaluation that happens and you, you start looking at numbers and P and L's and all kinds of things. So you get all this, this information and you're, you make a, an offer happens and a counter offer happens and ultimately a deal is done. Yeah. And then the real numbers start to pop up. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you get, you start finding out real fast what the reality is from a financial perspective. What's the first big shock you get um, as a new gym owner? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> all I can think about is just like, like, uh, I, all I can picture right now is just Chris's face with his glasses on, just trying to understand everything. It's <laughs> yeah. being like, oh, my God. Wait, it says we have this many members, but how many members do we have really? Yeah, and just, um, you know, not uh, memberships not being, you know, being inactive. And um, there was one manager that managed, that did everything. Mm. He did everything. And he wouldn't uh, let any other they, he wouldn't, he's only, pre, he, he did everything. And so it was um, really hard to understand like his method that he, that he ran by. Because like it everybody was, has a method. It was like just papers kind of in the drawer. He knew what was going on, but he controlled it all. Um, and so it was, get, uh, for us, it was like getting, uh, getting computers, the computer system, like up to date with memberships and understanding like, you know, who's active and who's, you know, 
There was a lot. There was a lot. It probably took like, I remember the day one of Chris and I owning the gym. We spent all day in the office just like learning. We did that for like a whole month, month, all, but our first day, we like left after like 10 hours and we went to the bar. Yeah, it's time for a drink. And yeah, we yeah. got a drink or two and we were just like, what did we do? Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the realization of, well, things were way simpler and way easier when we were just coaching and just running our nutrition store. Yeah. What have we done? Well, uh, and a little bit also to add um, during that time. So, uh, you know, I talked about like what I did, but Chris was also in like, he had a full right. career on the side, which was in asset management. And so he, um, it were it and and it, the timing like things happen for a reason, and he at at that time like the literally the exact same time he was laid off and he lost his his job with this big company, and it was scary for us, but it was also like Chris was really just burnt out from the corporate world, and so this was like it, it everything happened for a reason, and so I mean had that not happened. Um, it would like, it just, it, it all, it was a perfect sequence of events, um, which allowed, cause there was, it needed all of our attention, all, all the attention right oh, now. Yeah. So this isn't a side job. This isn't a side hustle. This, this is this our is, life. Yeah. Right. It's at this point, you don't have another job. The, nope. the, there are no lifeboats. Yeah. Right. The lifeboats have been burned. Yeah. You know, or they went down with that other ship. You yeah. Know, this is what I've got and this is what I have to work with. So you. Again, you're all in whether you like it or not. Yeah. You know, kind of at that point. A lot of change happens. Um, people stay on, people leave. Mm-hmm. Um, how long does it take for you to kind of feel like you got your arms wrapped around it? Um, and the 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 gym is doing what you wanted it to do in the way that you want wanted it to happen. Um, that took, I would say it took about a couple years for us to really just feel like, you know, like, we can breathe. And, um, you know, of course there's along with, you know, the, some of the members that didn't like change. Um, we had staff that didn't like change, you know, and they were, they were afraid. Um, so it was, it took a while to find, you know, we have still the majority of our team is the original team. Um, but it, it took a while to find just the right team members to help, um, you know, help and support and, and create a system that we all work together versus one person doing everything by themselves because that's something happens to that person. Yeah. There's no way to know what, how, how to operate. So um, we have an amazing team now and it, it really took, um, it took a while to, to build that. And also um, during that time, we were having to build out the whole infrastructure. Yeah, things evolve. They have to. Yeah, and you're designing everything from scratch. It's not like you're subscribing to some cookie cutter, you know, operating system to help Santa Cruz Power Fitness run. Nobody, there's not another gym like that. There's Each one is individual, but this one is individual. So it's not like you can go, hey, what's, what's you know, Joe Blow business or, uh, sorry, fitness gym or, yeah. you know, uh, facility owner over there doing, let's do what he's doing or she's doing. No way. You've got to figure this thing out from every single detail. Absolutely. So it took a while, you know, it's, it took a while to really like get our groove, but now we really, you know, we, there was a, there was a gosh, a long time where we just, you know, if, if you are wanting to get into the gym business and own a gym, be prepared to work every day. 
um, 10 to 16 hours a day. You might be opening, you're closing, you're cleaning toilets, you're doing all that stuff. Um, that is the true life of a small gym gym owner. Right. It's it's all day, every day. It's 365, yeah. 24 hours a day. But the beautiful thing is that now we have um, we have such a great team mm-hmm. and we have a great manager, um, fitness manager, great personal trainers, front desk. They're all incredible. But it allows us to kind of step away a little bit and work on more of uh, the back end stuff versus just like in the now. Right. This is, you know. Right. So it's how do we anticipate? What do we see coming? What yeah. is this? You Growth. Know, rather than having to react, you're being proactive and setting people up for success. And that includes your staff who now have some ownership and, well, I know how to deal with this now. This is yeah. not, you know, because they've been prepared and they've had experience. And it makes us more in trouble to be sure. around too. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're not having to deal with every little customer service, you know, issue, not that, because that's 90% of the job. That's yeah. What, that's the business that you, you walked yourself into. Right. Was customer service, but you know, the operations end of things, you can't be doing the day to day every day and expect to get better. No, you can get, you'll get burnt out. So right. having, having the right team, um, allows you to, uh, be a better business owner. All right. So let's walk into, you know, 2020, you're just getting this thing going. Yeah. It's starting to feel like, okay, we've got a little bit of breathing room. We're, we've got a team We're we've, we've done it. Yeah. You know, now it's, let's enjoy what we've done. We're not taking our eye off the ball. Oh, you're talking to, to, to 2020. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, 2020, not 2000. Yeah. So, Same thing. <laughs> so 2020. Yeah. I took my math right on that. <laughs> so COVID hits and, you know, at this point, you know, you and I and Chris, we, we know one another pretty well. And so the phone's going back and forth pretty, pretty frequently at this point. So I'm sort of aware and you're very aware of kind of what happened at Red Dot is I'm, I'm aware of what's going on up at, at Santa Cruz, but they're a little bit different business models. So <laughs> what do you do? You know, how is <laughs> you, you just like you kind of arrived and now you're looking, staring down the barrel of, well, we're going to be closed for a couple weeks. Yeah. Right. So I think like most business owners, March 2020, we were all looking at probably our most profitable point mm-hmm. and looking forward to growth. We were looking at other locations. Um, we were doing awesome and we were, you know, projected to have an even stronger year ahead of us. Um, yeah. And then we got, uh, we got shut down, but right before we got shut down, we kind of got a taste for what was coming down the pipes because I had competed in the Arnold's 2020 and it was like the week before it was like, actually it was like three days before it was like, we might not be holding this show. Right. Um, they did, but and you went and we went, I competed right. there in uh, Columbus, Ohio, but that was our first, that was like a week before we got shut down up over here. And we, so we kind of saw what was like, okay, this is serious. This is, you know, yeah, we're all just kind of governors are involved. This is, this is getting serious. And, um, so then we came back and we were kind of just doing like, like everybody, like, you know, signs, wash your hands, hand sanitizer, you know, wear a mask thinking, well, I wasn't even even masks at that point. It was just like, you know, like we're being responsible. What it, where, you know, use hand sanitizer, wash your hands. And then it was just like, boom, boom, shut down. And I remember Chris and I were just like, 
well, before that, the thought of you or any business closing for one day right. or an afternoon was just like, it's crazy business, crazy. Like yeah. that does not even compute. And so then being told that you have to shut down, it was just like, you know, part of it's like, it's out of my hands, out of my control. Um, but we were freaking out. We yeah. were freaking out. And then when uh, we were told that it could possibly go to like May or right. June, we were just like, Imagine no that. way. Right. Like, absolutely not. Um, and it did. It went a long time. In fact, we're still in that. Right. The hardest part, though, which is what you know, um, is trying to pivot as much as we've had to do. You know, we did the Zoom thing, the mm-hmm. online classes, um, really just trying to still stay relevant. You don't want your members to all just cancel, mm-hmm. you know, because you want to survive and you want to be able to serve, provide a service that is there for them when they get back. And it's your livelihood, you know, and you have staff members that depend on you also. So um, trying to do as much as we could pivoting during these times, offering services so that we're still, you know, there for them. Um, we did that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's very stressful. I don't think people really understand the hardship that small business owners have to go through that have had to close down. I think a lot of people just didn't, they don't understand the magnitude of it, but it's, um, it was really scary, um, really stressful. Um, it was probably the most stressful time of our lives. We thought we were going to lose everything, our home, our business, everything. And, um, you know, Chris and you were talking on the phone and thank God during that time that we, uh, we, we had friends like you that were in the same industry that we can talk to. Um, but it was scary, you know, and I reached, we, I think anytime, I think any business during the pandemic that didn't talk to other um, fellow competitors to help work together. Like they did themselves a big disservice. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think it's been nearly a year. I mean, we're almost coming up on that year mark and, you know, I'm listening to you and the, the it makes was, you relive it. it was, yeah. It was terrifying yeah. uh, and it was devastating and it was depressing and it was, uh, so many things in, I've had so many experiences in business, particularly in the fitness business in my life. And, you know, even with the the current business and in previous businesses, I, nothing could have obviously prepared us for, for this. And there, there's no playbook and there's no, you know, rule book either. And you're just, everybody's kind of just looking for some kind of an answer as well as some kind of hope. And the interesting thing is, is until I heard you kind of talking about it there, I hadn't really thought about it much, um, kind of where the emotional state was there. And it, but I do, I can relate to being competitive and, uh, you know, in business and in life and in sport. And I do remember looking back going as, as pissed off as I was, or as angry as I got, or as depressed as I got, I was always in the mind frame of, uh, this is not going to, this is not going to beat us. We're going to be okay. Yeah. And the thing that kept, kept, kept me in it and, and, uh, CC in it here was first off our employees, um, and the things that they had to go through and the things that we, we knew we needed to do to help them along the way. But I, I, I really hadn't thought about it much, you know, in, in that sense, you just kind of all of a sudden, I don't know at what point I, I really don't know, but you kind of go into a different kind of mindset 
And where it's like, well, we have to see this thing through and you can't plan three months in advance. You can maybe plan three weeks in advance and you have to kind of be. And that's even questionable. But here's the thing with particularly we, if you're a gym owner in California, it's a little bit different maybe than if you're a gym owner some someplace else. I'm not saying it's, it's worse or better. <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's different. We're, yeah. We currently, when as we're recording this, we're the only business that's not officially open yet. Um, every everybody else is open and doing things at some level. We're fortunate. Both of us are fortunate that we have outside space that we can. We've been able to kind of keep going and keep our our businesses alive. But that wasn't all uh, in 2020. I mean, as as if things couldn't get any worse. They kind of did. And, uh, I, I want to talk about the fires that happened up near, you know, you know in Santa Cruz and how oh. that impacted your business, your members, your employees, you, uh, that was a crazy time. August, right? I mean, August, yeah. basically the world's coming to an end up in Santa Cruz. It was an insane fire season. It yeah. got completely out of control. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, we're kind of chuckling about it now, but I remember thinking there was so many crazy I'm things calling up, happened. going, "Oh my god, Chris, are you guys okay?" Because it was that close. I mean, it was it was it wasn't into downtown, but it was close enough, right? Yeah. So the fire um, that was, yeah. Ugh. So before the fires, you had just mentioned that we were both operating outdoor gyms. So right. yes, we were operating outdoor gyms, and we had these big tents and everything. And the fires happened because there was this crazy freak lightning storm that hit the bay area never happens it was incredible it was absolutely incredible to watch not when you're outside taking down these 10 foot metal poles and a lightning storm because your tent's about to hit the apartment building at two or three in the morning that was chris and i little did we know that that those lightning storms that we were battling with the tents was going to start these fires in Santa Cruz Mountains and actually all throughout California. I mean, there was like, I don't even know how many fires there were at that one time, but there was a lot. Yeah, there were hundreds. Hundreds. Right. And um, the fire got really close to, uh, affected a huge part of Santa Cruz. We had evacuees living at our house for a couple of weeks. Um, and uh, it was, the air was so smoky here in right. Santa Clara and Santa Cruz. Like the air was so bad. I mean, it went like it's crazy how when you operate outside, how much you depend on the weather and your weather app. Right. There was that time we were having to, you know, if the if the air quality was below a certain number, we would have to close it. There was one day, and you probably remember that day that it, that it was two o'clock in the afternoon, and the sky was so dark you had you couldn't you had to use your like lights. I had to use my flashlight on my phone to like take the dogs out to go to the bathroom at like three in the afternoon. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Ash landing on everything. Ash everywhere. So, um, yeah, that was August. That was kind of crazy. I forgot about that. Actually, I was going through my pictures on my phone this morning. I was just like, oh, all these dark, murky photos. I remember that week. That happened too. Yeah, that happened. That was (laughs) just part of it. So, yeah. And in, in you're right. We had just started operating outside. So there was a huge, there was a spend, right? There's expense, capital expenditure. If I want to operate outside, I don't just open up outside. You're putting out canopies, you're putting out tents, you're, you're, you're moving equipment. You're having to maybe purchase things to make that even possible. Yeah. You're having a fence in your, your equipment so that it doesn't walk away after the lights go out at night and, and so forth. So there's a lot of things happening and you've got to get people to adjust to that. They've already had to adjust eight times to all the changes that we've been going through, whether we're open, close, open, close. And Santa Cruz had a bit more of that. Um, you guys were open 
quite a bit more we than, open, than we were down here in Santa, Santa Clara County. Yeah. yeah, we were we were able to open up um, much earlier than you guys were. I think right. you guys had like what two weeks where you were able to really open up again. Well, there was a there was actually more like three hours uh, that we were yeah. able to open up. <laughs> they made an announcement at nine and another one at just, noon. Just a taste. Yeah. Uh, that was very short term. But then, then back in September, October, we were open for about two months. Um, but outside of that time, yeah, we'd, we'd been closed. But the, the point of that was, is there, you know, you had this, this great outside setup and the, the weather came through and absolutely destroyed it. A uh, couple times. A couple times. And then, you know, you get that going again and, and you recognize, okay, well, we know this isn't going to hold up against the next big one that comes through. And, and, and inevitably the winter's coming, right? Yeah. And you know you're going to get some rain and some wind. So you try to set up a little bit heavier duty and you get destroyed again. And it's just this constant rebuild. Of- We've had to re- take down, rebuild our outdoor gym five times. And this was not like, like, oh, you know, like once it this was 4,000 square feet. Yeah. Right. This is not a small outdoor gym. Tons of equipment out there, right. cardio machines. And only one, t- one of those like five, four or five times was it like planned. But every other time it was like Chris and I waking up in the middle of the, middle of the night from our like surveillance cameras going off with like, just like, right. holy crap. Right. Our tents are like, you know, blowing down the street. I called yeah. the fire station one point because this are like steel frame and these are like 60 by 40 tents was coming out of the cement and about to slam into this huge apartment building right next to us it was it was hairy so yeah but you know after all of that Mm -hmm. and you mentioned like the members you know having to adjust to change and pivoting and you know that but it's made everybody so patient and like i mean we could probably paint our gym bright pink inside and like have like like totally change it and they would just be like grateful to be there like it's changed everyone like we just everybody as a whole i think just appreciate things for what they are and in a different way than before covid and i think that, that has largely to do with you and Chris and, and the efforts that you put in and the, the investment in in, this, in the, the community, the equipment, the space. I think they're seeing things in a different light. If there was hesitation before about change, they understand everything that you're doing and the intention that you're doing it in. And that's why they're sticking around. And that's why they continue to come back. And that's why they're going to be continuing to come back you know, in 2021, 2022 yeah. and beyond. So you, you did the work, you, yeah. you've done all that hard work. And it's interesting that you're saying, you know, people are just that much more appreciative. And it's interesting. And when I've been up there and kind of talking with some of your coaches or even a couple of members, it seems they're taking care of themselves in a little bit of a different way too. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're more aware of, you know, what's important and what isn't. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and, I want to talk about that just a little bit as you know, we're moving on and, and into the future and, you know, telling the future is, was impossible before, but it seems anymore. Like if, if there was anything to kind of measure it, that, all that shit's out the door. Like yeah. you, you really <laughs> just kind of got to go, well, we think this is going to happen and we're going to try to prepare, we'll see. If we're going to prepare for yeah. anything. As well, now we we're can. like, you know, hopefully we'll be open by May. Right. Yeah. And before it was like, you know, like three weeks. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you just, you just have a little bit of a different, a, a, a different, perspective, yeah. right? And that's a, lo- a very different perspective. And, you know, just people in general and taking care of themselves um, now versus, and the impacts this has had, 
and, and where this goes longer term, the, the perspective in or the, uh, the awareness that they have about what they should and shouldn't maybe should and shouldn't be doing or how they need to change or shift in order to be, to, to be a healthier version of themselves rather than maybe achieve a specific physique. Yeah. What are you seeing? Who, how, how are your members? How are your, how is your community adapting and changing for, you know, to prepare for the future and being a healthier, I'm just going to say it right out to be part of the solution and not be part of the problem yeah. you know, that we seem to be plagued with here, um, particularly in the United States. Well, the members that we are seeing back, like um, they are, we, well, first of all, we have a, we have our, the, the community that we have that comes to our gym, they're very serious fitness people. Like it's, it's their, they, this is their, a big chunk of their life. This is a priority in their life. So, um, you know, we have a lot of very serious fitness goers, but um, people just really are hungry for getting back in shape. Um, they see that maybe they were, they had, you know, maybe some people also realize like, you know, like that was really scary going through COVID and I'm, I'm obese and I was afraid for my life because of that condition. And that's not okay. Like I need to change that. Um or a lot of people we saw, which was absolutely mind blowing, was that there would be um, uh, there one member in particular that stands out. He's in his he was in his eighties, and when we opened back up in June for you know a couple months, we saw him come back. And after taking just those like three months off of the gym, before he would be in every morning, walking in no problem, but taking three months off, he could barely walk in, and that's how much not exercising regularly impacted his health and his aging process. And he had a, I, we didn't really see him much. Like he had a really hard time walking around. Um, and he said, it's just, it's because he was not able to lift weights and his body started to really deteriorate. Yeah. This is a, this is something that isn't being talked about. I mean, we can, we can talk about the youth. We can talk about, you know, um, anything from, from eight to 80 and the lack of activity. Yeah. Um, and we don't get dig too deep into that, but I think that's a that's a more common tale than people people want to want to think about or realize right now. Because unless it's impacting you, and you, you you went back to sort of, or you were talking earlier about being the business owner and a small business owner, particularly here in California, and kind of how things have been handled. And if you're not if you're not in that situation, you really can't know. And I don't blame you for not knowing. Totally, it's, you know, there's a lot of things I'm not aware of because I haven't lived through it. And your situation is different than mine. And I can't, I can't pretend to know what it's like, but I have, I do have a, a pretty good perspective on kind of how, uh, or, or how not allowing people or providing people the opportunity to take care of their health and fitness in the same way and simply dismissing it with, Oh, just get outside. You know, you can go outside and go for a hike and go for a walk. Right. Well, well, yes, that's great. And that will provide some people some sense of exercise and the kind of the kind that they need in order to become healthier or stay healthy, but that's not everybody, and that's not that's not everybody's situation. Some people, most people, need resistance training, right? Yeah. We, we know that, and and they're not going to get that at home, and you're not going to get that with a couple of rubber bands and a couple of five pound dumbbells that you might have you know found buried in your garage in some milk crate somewhere. And the crazy thing is that uh, you know we know that, but I've never actually seen seen the side effects of someone not like 
not being able to, not because like they were on a vacation, but right. they, they were not allowed to and taking so much time off and the physical effects that it actually had on them and deterioration so rapidly. Like that was just like, it was, it was actually very mind blowing to see someone like physically through that. Like, sure. We, you know, when we think about going to the gym, it's, you know, people usually think of aesthetics, mm -hmm. but it really, there's so many other benefits to it. And um, so I guess to circle back to your question um, about, you know, the, the overall health changes and concerns and benefits of, you know, coming out of COVID and moving forward is that there's a lot of people that are um, really excited and hungry to get back on that track to make serious changes in their life because they're realizing that there's things that they're not happy about. Mm -hmm. um, but there's still a lot of people who are fearful um, until the vaccine is readily available or they receive that. So, I'm expecting, you know, to, you know, we have our people that are utilizing our outdoor gym now that are, you know, comfortable with that setting. But I think it's going to slowly get back. And I'm hoping that there will be uh, a change in our society. You know, maybe that's very hopeful and wishful thinking about, you know, making serious changes. But um, it's a, I think it was an eye opener for a lot of people who were unhealthy during COVID that they were at a very high risk. How do you prepare your, well, so at, at, at Santa Cruz Power, that you guys have coaches. There's a lot of coaches there. You have an yeah. amazing team of coaches up there. How are they, how are they adapting? How are they changing to the needs of members and particularly during this time and preparing for the future um, of what will likely start to walk back through the door at some point? Soon. Right. Yeah. Um, our trainers have been really busy, actually. Our, and that's a, a great sign that people are, wanting to get back you know either whether they have gained the quarantine 15 mm -hmm. or 20 or whatever or whatever mm -hmm. um they're wanting to get back and uh they need help building their strength back up some people might just like i want to get healthy again and i need a personal trainer um many different reasons um so our trainers have been very busy and uh obstacles that they've been working around and have pivoted and adjusted very, very well is, you know, some people are very, you know, do not want to be around anyone close by, you know, we, people still respect the six feet, but some people are very like, I don't want to be anywhere near. So we'll have to, maybe they'll have to block off two squat racks. So they have a good perimeter around that person, um, masks, um, disinfectant bottles, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but a lot of the trainers are also working on building strength back up because after taking three months off the gym, you can't just go back to what you were lifting before. You're going to injure yourself. So, um, you know, they're helping people kind of build back that strength. Yeah. So you got people coming in and they're, they're investing in their, in their health. Yeah. Right? They may not have done that before. You yeah. know, people that have never worked with a coach before, maybe even not been a member of a, a gym like Santa Cruz power before um, they're walking in and they're investing their, their time and, and, and money into, into coaches. Uh, and coaches are taking advantage of that. I, what advice would you give other coaches out there, other gym owners right now with regard to how to be successful in the future, despite all that's happened? Um, and the, and the changes they might want to think about making if they haven't already to, to, to really be part of the solution 
in the future to help people feel more comfortable coming back to the gym, um, to help people feel more comfortable and more confident about making an investment in their health um, outside of their health insurance plan yeah, uh, or, or so forth? What, what would you tell people? Um, well, I would give different advice for coaches and trainers and gym owners, but the most important things I would suggest is uh, build an alliance with other similar businesses to yours in your area, communicate with each other, see what other people are doing and see, you know, talk to the other, other gyms. We, we do that. You know, we will, I like checking out other, all the other setups and telling them to come check out yours and, you know, cross collaboration, kind of like how we do with you. Um, so networking is really important and communicating with your members is huge. So, you know, utilizing, um, email, um, uh, you know, social media posts, ways to communicate with your clients and new members to offer, you know, announce the services or the safety precautions that you're taking at your gym. Um, you know, those are really, really important. And I think any business that was not, you know, communicating regularly with their customers, um, we're missing out because that also helped, uh, reassure that we are still there for you, you know, and this is what we are trying to offer to you. And we are, you know, going to be here when you come back. Right. At first it felt like crisis management emails all the time. Right? <laughs> I know. It's like, here's what's going on. But <laughs> in the end, everybody gets it now. Yeah. You know, there's, they're, they're not as, they're not confused. They might be confused about what the latest mandate is and you know what that means for them. Yeah. But, but they're not about where you're coming from as a, as a business. Yeah. yeah. The networking, why people would place why our community in, in the fitness industry would place things so close to the chest at this point in the game makes zero sense to me. There's so much wealth out there of knowledge and wisdom. There's also, you know, there's, there's plenty of pie out there for us all to share. That's and, just it. Yeah. There is, you know, being, you know, having competition is not a bad thing. It keeps uh, everybody on their A game. It keeps, it improves services um, and it helps having someone to talk to and, you know, run ideas by. It makes you better. Right. So having that um, that alliance is really important. And we, we did create that with a few other small gyms in Santa Cruz. And it was very helpful because that was a scary time for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being flexible. Now we are so flexible. Like you guys, I think everyone after COVID is like very patient, very flexible. Um you know, like you just roll with like, what's they going to bring? Okay. Right. As <laughs> if you're not, you're probably gone. You, you probably didn't survive. To this exactly. Point. You're probably gone. Yeah. So you heard it here. Like if you're in the Santa Cruz area and you want to lean, lean on Santa Cruz power a little bit for uh, some ideas and some love, they're there for yeah, you. Absolutely. Yeah. A couple more questions and we'll, we'll wrap it up. But so encircling all the way back to the, the competitive, you know, bikini game. Are we done? We're going to, we're going to keep going or what are we doing? I'm done. done. So I'm, uh, I'm, uh, God, I forgot how old I am. <laughs> oh my God. So like me, I know <laughs> I exactly mean, how I'm 42. I, I pretend, it's really I sad. pretend to not know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get past a certain age. Maybe it's like part of you. You're like, I don't want to really know. Really it, doesn't how old I am, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. But, um, no, I think. Uh, so last year at the Olympia to at 2000, 2020, not 2019, right? See, this whole year has been well, a time there was warm. the night. So 
If I remember right, you competed in the 19, you yeah. were gunning in the 20, and things just got yeah, a little topsy-turvy. Yeah. Right. So um, before, but before 2019, we had decided, like, this is going to be the last one. And then Chris told me before the 2019, he's like, uh, if you want to try to comp- qualify for 2020, you can do the Sacramento show. That would be, like, your last shot to qualify. So I was like, all right. So I did it, and I won. And you won. I was like, okay, looks like we're doing one more year. Um, So I did the 2019 was my last Olympia, and then I did the Arnold's um, in in March, like I was just saying, right Mm -hmm. before the whole COVID just, like, kaboomed on us. Um, And I was prepping for the 2020 Olympia. Um, That was, you know, a totally different, another story, competing and prepping during covid doing band workouts and just like, what is that? Yeah, crazy. But I was three weeks out and this was, they had moved the Olympia to Florida um, at December. And Chris, three weeks before, was just like, you know, I just don't feel comfortable flying out to Florida with, you know, all the numbers going up. And he has some um, health history that we were concerned about. And it was just like, all right, you know, that's it. And it felt good a little bit it felt good and i don't have any no no regrets it's <laughs> <laughs> good um it feels right and i always knew that there was going to be a time when that time came it was going to feel right because mm-hmm. in the past i was just like the thought of me not competing was like scary and i was just like i like i loved it so much but i'm like i'm i'm ready for just to enjoy life and not have to feel the pressure of uh eating a certain way working out a certain way. Now I'm going, Chris and I are going on like distance runs outside, which is like the complete opposite Mm -hmm. of what you want to do if you're trying to build muscle. Right. So I don't care. I'm just having fun. It's not front of brain. Yeah. Are you done with the sport altogether? Are you uh, going to try and stay involved somehow? I'm not done. Um, I still want to be involved because I absolutely love it. Um, I'm not coaching anymore. Um, that's just something I don't have the bandwidth for to run that kind of roster and that much attention when we're running, you know, these other businesses. Um, but I do want to get involved with judging. And I've already reached out to uh, a couple of the head judges in the league. And um, the next step is just me observing and starting there and learning. But that's really, that's kind of where I've always you know, since I've started competing, I was just like, you know, someday it'd be really cool to evolve to that. And um, I think the sport needs more female judges. I agree 1,000%. We need that. And um, I I would love to go down that road and still be involved. It's, it's, it's interesting, you know, the female bodybuilding side of thing is still male dominated. It yeah. totally is. And that's, uh, it's, it's time for a shift. And I'm sure you have, so many fans. I'm sure they're going to be glad. Well, they might be a little be, or sorry, be a little bittersweet to know that you're not coming back as a competitor. I bet they're going to be. I think they're super would, happy to know that you're still involved and giving back. Yeah, the the few people I have talked to about that that are athletes, like their reaction was just like really excited. Um, of course, they're not going to be telling me to my face like, "Oh God," <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um, I'm I'm excited for that and. Um, that's the next chapter of my life. I would, Chris and I are want to travel and we want to do fun things and enjoy life. And he's been very, very patient and supportive while I have thrived in my competitive career. And it's opened up a ton of doors for us. Like I really attribute um, where we're at now with our businesses to the fact that 
myself, and Chris is also a professional uh, bodybuilder himself. So right. he's in, he's in the sport. Um, we didn't talk about that, but he's also involved with the sport. And I really attribute our career in the fitness industry that we you know to our success. And when I talk to athletes and if I can give athletes any kind of advice it's just um, you know don't focus so much on the placing and the critique and the feedback but it opens up so many doors and so many opportunities and you don't even know what opportunities are coming your way but and that's that's uh, really what we've received out of it and that's why I still want to be involved yeah I think it's great and I, uh, we'll have to get Chris in here someday and I would love to have you have you back sometime? Maybe we can talk more specifically about with a glass of whiskey. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Next time the whiskey's <laughs> coming out. Next time, uh, yeah, to talk more about more about the sport and you know the advice and the wisdom that you can provide for the up and coming competitor and even the more advanced competitors out there. And as you learn and you know evolve as a as a, uh, as a judge, um, I would definitely like to dig into that more. There's, I have so many questions, but. Uh, like I, I want to thank you for coming down today again and spending time with me. This has been this has been awesome. Uh, thank you. And your studio is super cool. Oh, I well, love you. it. It I'm, is like it's like I think I like this better than Joe Rogan's like new <laughs> weird red things on his wall. Whoa. Okay. Well, that's, <laughs> I'll take that as a massive compliment. Joe Rogan's uh, he's one of the best. So thank you so much for the compliment. And again, uh, th- the your. You're going to be great as a as a judge, and Santa Cruz Power is, you know, just an extension of you, and it, it it's no surprise, you know, how successful it's been, and I know how successful successful it will continue to be. Um, listen, for people that want to, you know, find out more about you and and learn a little bit more about you and follow your journey, where can they find you? Uh, well, you can find I have a, I have an Instagram handle. It's Camille underscore. Oh no, I'm sorry, just Camille Perriot. Okay. Um, I have a Facebook, but I never checked that. So that's probably not a good place to go to. Um, I have a website. Um, uh, you know what? The best way to find me is SantaCruzPowerFitness.com. Yeah. Okay. That's the best place to find cool. me. Um, and what about the uh, what about the podcast? Oh, I do have a podcast with my friend Sarah Lyon. It's called The Bikini Show, right. and uh, we're just two girls that chat bikini and have these really cool bikini pros come on and we interview them. We do funny stuff, um, but you can find us on uh, YouTube, and it's called The Bikini Show, and it's a lot of fun. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks again, Camille. Thank you, Scott. This was awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.